Greetings, parish orphans and retrogrades. I hope you'll enjoy join me in praying for the soul and the repose of Cardinal Pell, who died suddenly, uh, less than 36 hours ago, of a heart attack. He's one of the heroes in the church. And it turns out that he wrote an article for The Spectator less than 36 hours before suddenly dying. I'm going to read you major parts of the article, but first I'd like to say a prayer for him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, it is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. For the repose of your servant, Cardinal Pell, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. George Pell, George Cardinal Pell, died, as you guys know, of a heart attack. After suffering an ordeal in 2020, a fake trial, a kangaroo court, where he was called back to Australia, which paused the important audit-style work he was doing on the Vatican Bank, suspicious, under a totally fake charge that seemed to require the collusion of important players in order to stall the probative-type investigatory work he was doing against financial corruption at the Vatican Bank. Very fishy. That's now almost three years old. He survived that, was acquitted, only to die relatively young, relative to Francis or Benedict, who are both significantly older than than him. And it turns out he wrote the following article for The Spectator called The Catholic Church Must Free Itself from This Toxic Nightmare about the synod on synodality, and then died within 36 hours. So, Damien Thompson, who is a writer I very much admire for The Spectator, good Catholic, scribbled this at the beginning of Cardinal Pell's important letter on the synod on synodality. I'm going to read these two paragraphs by Mr. Thompson. Shortly before he died on Tuesday... Cardinal George Pell wrote the following article for The Spectator in which he denounced the Vatican's plans for its forthcoming Synod on Synodality as a toxic nightmare. The booklet produced by the Synod to be held in two sessions this year and next year is, quote, to quote Pell, one of the most incoherent documents ever sent out from Rome, said Pell. Not only is it couched in neo-Marxist jargon, another direct quote, but it is, quote, hostile to the apostolic tradition and ignores such fundamental Christian tenets as belief in divine judgment, heaven, and hell. The Australian-born cardinal, who endured the terrible ordeal of imprisonment in his home country on fake charges of sex abuse before being acquitted, was nothing if not courageous. He did not know that he was about to die when he wrote this piece. That's key. He was prepared to face the fury of Pope Francis and the organizers of the Synod when it was published. As it is, his sudden death may add extra force to his words when the Synod meets this October. All Synods under Francis have been in October. I've never looked it up. I always forget after I do shows. Why are all Synods in October? Two family Synods, 2014-2015. Amazon Synod 2019, and all of the meetings for this multi-year Synod on Synodality meet in October. 
What does he mean? What is? I, I'd love to have Damian Thompson on the show. I'm a. I've always been an admirer of his for the last 15 years. Why would a sudden death add extra force to his words when the synod meets this October? I can think of a few reasons. One, it's always we listen to dead people more than we listen to the living. We value the works of dead artists more than the living. Kobe Bryant, I'm sad to say, had to die to even be considered a top five all-time basketball player. I, I complain about that frequently. I never thought he had to die. He's number two of all time after Jordan. But he had to die before we take him seriously. And the words of philosophers are not usually taken serious or poets until after they die. So Thompson might have meant that, but I think he meant something more. I think Damian Thompson, along with all the other folks, my people, retrogrades out there, with eyes to see and ears to hear, understand that something much more sinister may be at work. Pell was imprisoned in his home country in the midst of an audit-type action on the Vatican Bank, which got halted and never really resumed, on fake charges of sex abuse before being easily acquitted. Um, and if that could be organized, assuming that it was, I'm not sure, by corrupt parties that are powers that be, then his death could be as well. I don't know. I, I think that's at least something we need to consider. Cardinal Pell's death is serious. And now, I've told you guys several times before I get into this article, Vatican II, problematic as it was, did not explode the church. It gave rise to the horrible, horrible Novus Ordo, me say that we all argue with normies about all the time. Please go back to the TLM. I mean that. In some sense, Vatican II gave rise to that, but not in other senses. And we've talked about this till we're blue in the face. I don't want to get into it. The new mass, the awful, atrocious Novus Ordo that many people, including yourself, are cursed to have to go to once a week or, or you know, three times a month, if you can, like me, get to the Latin mass periodically, does not actually come from Vatican II. I've also told you that the Francis Pontificate stands for the proposition that Vatican I, which was kind of forced closed by the start of the Franco-Prussian War, is at least as problematic for trads who don't want to be forced into a position of papal positivism, that we have to worship everything every pope does. Francis makes that really clean. Vatican I's at least as troublesome, that's not to say false, as Vatican II. Neither of them is false. They're both ecumenical councils. They're both real. Set those aside. Synods are another matter altogether. And the synods under Francis, synods are a creation of Vatican II, by the way. Synodality. But, and, and JP II had a couple, I think Benedict had one. They weren't a big deal, and they didn't have major hopes for the use of synod. But Francis has used synods to bring revolution inside the walls of St. Peter's and St. Paul's. He codified legal mortal sin that's no longer a mortal sin, according to Francis, Amoris Laetitia, giving communion to adulterers, 
using the 2014-2015 synods, which bled into a post-synodal apostolic exhortation called Amor Satitia. Revolution inside the church. Do you understand that? Do you know what kind of document that was? Don't forget. You probably remember now, but you probably weren't, it wasn't at the front of your mind. Amoris Letitia is a post-synodal apostolic exhortation, my friends, my parish orphans and retrogrades. It's a post-synodal apostolic exhortation. So, Francis has used synods to bring revolution in ways that revolution can't come to the church. 2019 Amazon Synod. Exact month, October, I was leaving Taylor Marshall's channel and really founding my own. While the Amazon Synod was closing up, that post-synodal apostolic exhortation came much closer to the close of the Synod than the than Amor Satitia did to the close of 2015 Synod. It was expected that very pro-body and women deacons would be reified by that document because we know it's in we know beyond a, a shadow of a doubt this is Francis's goal. He said as much. The Sanctigallan Mafia has told us much. But he said, I'm gonna pause this while attaching a document saying this is what I'm gonna do to the post-synodal exhortation at the Amazon Synod in October 2019. He said, we're pausing it. Pope splainers and, and liars of all stripe said, oh, see, you're wrong. No, he just said, I'm pausing it. And it, it's well understood now it was because of COVID. Me, Eric Sammons, the late, great Steve Skojek. No, he's still living when he was still Catholic. We had a, a three-way bet on what the timing of the post-synodal apostolic exhortation would be. He's bringing that revolution, women deacons, another impossible revolutionary article. He was going to bring it with the Amazon Synod, but COVID prevented it. Now, with the ongoing synod on synodality, an absurdity, a solecism in its very essence, he is going to get to those two items that were never tended to with the Amazon, and he's going to tend back to an important moment from the first synod of his pontificate, 2014's Extraordinary Family Synod, which is part of the Amoris Laetitia train wreck. Remember, I was just talking about this with a secular news organization that interviewed me today. Remember the Relatio, the midterm report of the first family synod, the extraordinary one, the second one, October 2015, was the ordinary family synod. Remember that midterm report? The Relatio? It had the Germans and the Northern European, the St. Gallen Mafia, and their successors pushing strongly, even within the synod's rules, to acknowledge, quote, this is a direct quote from the Relatio, the positive aspects of gay relationships, gay dudes, who do sod. What are the positive aspects of mortal sin? Seems to be their main goal even more than what are the positive aspects of heterosexual adulterers known as divorced and remarried, which got codified in 2016, in April, in Amor Letizia. But their real goal got tabled because it was too much. 
What are the positive aspects? Who saved the church? Article after article after article was written and is, can still be recounted about how the African bishops saved the church. The African cardinals, inclusive of Cardinal Sarah, inclusive of his goodly cohorts. Most of them are good from Africa, aside from Pipabili, Peter Cardinal Turkson. I've heard stories about this guy. He's a big lefty. He's a Francis possible successor. That seems to be the main goal with the Synodality Synod. Tending to that blocked wish, the Relatio got reported. World press went nuts, no pun intended. Stopped the final report from the 2014 Synod from having any uh, reference to the gay relationships, positive aspects. There's no such thing. It's a contradiction in terms. It's mortal sin. And we've kind of forgotten about it since then, or most people have. Not me. Not me. They're getting to it. Remember all the artworks that were published in fall of last year, 2022, just three months ago? All the gays, trannies, that's what this synod's about. They're going to, to clean up, they're going to settle all accounts, all family business, like Michael Corleone. Francis is going to settle all family business. He got behind because of COVID on the Sankt Gallen agenda, meaning he's going to tend to, and you can go read the synod documents. We're going to read what Cardinal Pell said about it. Very probati, married priests in the Roman Rite. In the Latin right, sorry. Uh, women deacons, gay stuff. There's going to be LGBT stuff to the ears. Maybe intercommunion with Lutherans. That's a little more speculative. But that's the fourth and final goal, along with the LGBTQ stuff. It will rupture the church. So I'm. This whole introductory note, Parish Orphans of Retrogrades, has been a point of contrast. Vatican I and Vatican II, I say, have produced the Francis Pontificate in an indirect way. Vatican I and Vatican II have produced not, not contradictions in doctrine, but aporia, seemingly insolvable puzzles. What do we do if a pope is evil? like Francis is evil. And he seems intent to use his Vatican I-described papal primacy, which seems to be unchecked. Certain lines can be quoted from Vatican I, which make it unchecked, to destroy the church. And he's also using, I think, intentional, hardwired-in misinterpretations of Vatican II that really are kind of there in the documents, but not really to destroy the church. What do we do? We need a Vatican III. The other problem is Francis has had too many consistories of cardinals. Vatican III will give us nothing but more poison fruit of the tree at this point. So what do we do? Alas, that's the situation in the church writ large. But Vatican I and II in, its, in their documents did not explode the church, even though a lot of people that agree with me about the Mass, trads, will tell you that. I, I strongly disagree. The documents of Vatican I, documents of Vatican II, have done nothing 
to explode the doctrines of the church. And, you know, you get people, normies versus trads in the church arguing, and honestly, I find them all partisan and petty. I'm mostly a trad. But when I make distinctions, they don't like it. Here's where I'm truly without a party in the church. I've been telling you the synod on synodality is what they're doing. What, what If they're evil, and I do think they're evil, they've been intending to use Vatican I and II in order to do. Explode the church. It must be stopped. The synod on synodality is the big one. There will be no more Pope Splainers after this. You're either going to have to say, yes, I'm with Francis, I like evil, or no. Even Amoris Laetitia, which accomplished an impossibility, a solecism, a contradiction in terms, communion for adulterers who are unrepentant, what? There, were still, there still are Pope Splainers today. Go check any number of Pope Splaining channels. You know the three or four main ones. Go check them. It should be impossible for someone to be, I'm a faithful Catholic and I support Francis after a Morris Laetitia, April 2016. But it's not stark enough to get the attention of the plebs. The synod on synodality will be it. I've been telling you that. It's not Vatican I. It's not Vatican II. It's not even a Morris Laetitia. This is it. This is going to be outright gay stuff. Outright tranny stuff. Outright polyamory mentioned in the documents. I've, I've looked at a lot of the, the documentation. So bear all this in mind. How long have I been going? Hopefully not too long of a, a primer. Bear all of this in mind. As you listen to the now haunting words of the recent decedent Cardinal George Pell, who wrote this article, Damian Thompson reminds us, for The Spectator, not knowing that he'd be dead by the time readers' eyes meet the bit ink on the screen. Who knows why he really died? I'm not saying I do. But this is fishy and it stinks to high heaven. The Catholic Synod of Bishops is now busy constructing what they think of as God's dream of synodality. Unfortunately, this divine dream has developed into a toxic nightmare, despite the bishops' professed good intentions. They have produced a 45-page booklet, which presents its account of the discussions of the first stage of, quote, listening and discernment, held in many parts of the world, and it is one of the most incoherent documents ever sent out from Rome. While we thank God that Catholic numbers around the globe, especially in Africa and Asia, are increasing, the picture is radically different in Latin America with losses to the Protestants as well as the secularists. With no sense of irony, the document is entitled Enlarge the Space of Your Tent. I made tons of pitching a tent jokes at the time, back in fall. And the aim of Doing so is to accommodate not the newly baptized, those who have answered the call to repent and believe, but anyone who might be interested enough to listen. Participants are urged to be welcoming and radically inclusive. Quote, no one is excluded. I'm pausing for a second to make a comment. 
Same rhetoric as Amoris Laetitia. We can't exclude. We can't exclude even adulterers from communion. The Eucharist isn't a prize for the perfect, Francis told us. No, it's not a prize for the perfect. It's a prize for the repentant. It's not a prize for the unrepentant. Quit your sin and follow Jesus. The document, says Pell, does not urge even the Catholic participants to make disciples of all nations, according to Matthew chapter 28, much less to preach the Savior in season and out of season, according to 2 Timothy chapter 4. The first task for everyone, and especially the teachers, is to listen in the Spirit. According to this recent update of the Good News, has his tongue in his cheek here as he writes this, I'm sure. Synodality as a way of being for the church is not to be defined, but just to be lived. It revolves around five creative tensions, starting from the radical inclusion and moving toward mission in a participatory style, practicing co-responsibility with other believers and people of goodwill. Difficulties are acknowledged, such as war, genocide, and the gap between clergy and laity. But all can be sustained, says, say the bishops, by a lively spirituality. The image of the church as an expanding tent with the Lord at its center comes from Isaiah. And the point of it is to emphasize that this expanding tent is a place where people are heard and not judged, not excluded. So we read, that the people of God need new strategies, not quarrels and clashes, but dialogue, where the distinction between believers and unbelievers is rejected. That's what Cardinal Pell says. The distinction, I'll repeat, between believers and unbelievers is rejected. The people of God must actually listen, it insists, to the cry of the poor and of the earth. Because of differences of opinion on abortion, contraception, the ordination of women to the priesthood, and homosexual activity, all of these four issues are closed questions for the faithful. You're not allowed as a Roman Catholic to have a differing opinion. And that's why Cardinal Pell lists these four. It's a prefatory clause that I interrupted. Sorry, I'll restart it. Because of differences of opinion on abortion, Close question. Contraception. Close question. The ordination of women to the priesthood. Closed question. And homosexual activity. Closed question. Some felt that no definitive position on these issues can be established or proposed. This is also true of polygamy and divorce and remarriage. Yes, these things are actually mentioned. All of them are closed questions. However, the document is clear on the special problem of the inferior position of women and the dangers of clericalism, although the positive contribution of many priests is acknowledged. What is one to make of this potpourri? This is a good paragraph by Pell. What is one to make of this potpourri, this outpouring of New Age goodwill? It is not a summary of the Catholic faith or a New Testament teaching. It is incomplete hostile in significant ways to the apostolic tradition, and nowhere acknowledges the New Testament as the Word of God, normative for all teaching on faith and morals. The Old Testament is ignored, patriarchy rejected, and the Mosaic Law, including the Ten Commandments, is not acknowledged. Two points can be made initially. 
says Pell. The two final synods in Rome in 23, later this year, and 24, will need to clarify their teaching on moral matters, as the relator, chief writer and manager, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, who I've covered in several shows in the last six months, has publicly rejected the basic teachings of the church on sexuality on the grounds that they contradict modern science. In normal times, this would have meant that his continuing as relator was inappropriate, indeed impossible, in normal times, when the church was not infiltrated in the Sea of Peter by an evil man. I don't mean an imperfect man. I don't even mean a man that doesn't have a girlfriend on the side. We've had those kinds of popes. I mean an evil, doctrinaire, dictator, Pope Francis. The synods have to choose whether they are servants and defenders of the apostolic tradition on faith and morals, what they're called to be, or whether their discernment compels them to assert their sovereignty over Catholic teaching, which is an impossibility. They must decide whether basic teaching on things like priesthood, morality, can be parked in a pluralist limbo where some choose to redefine sins downwards and most agree to, a, to differ respectfully. Outside the Synod, discipline is loosening, especially in Northern Europe, the perennial seat of the Reformation, the ongoing Reformation, where a few bishops have not been rebuked even after asserting a bishop's right to dissent. A de facto pluralism already exists more widely in some parishes and religious orders on things like blessing homosexual activity. The diocesan bishops are successors of the apostles, the chief teacher in each diocese, and the focus of local unity for their people and of universal unity around the Pope, the successor of Peter. Since the time of St. Irenaeus of Lyon, the bishop is also the guarantor of continuing fidelity to Christ's teaching, the apostolic tradition. They're governors and sometimes judges, as well as teachers and sacramental celebrants, and are not just wallflowers or rubber stamps. The expression, enlarge the tent, is alive to the failing of bishops, failings of bishops, who sometimes do not listen, have autocratic tendencies, and can be clericalist and individualist. There are signs of hope, of effective leadership and cooperation. But the document opines that pyramid models of authority should be destroyed. Listen to this. Pyramid models of authority should be destroyed according to Pell, and the only genuine authority comes from love and service. Baptismal dignity is to be emphasized, not ministerial ordination and governance style should be less hierarchical and more circular and participative. The main actors in all Catholic synods and councils and in all Orthodox synods have been the bishops. In a gentle, cooperative way, this should be asserted and put into practice at the Continental Synod so that pastoral initiatives remain within the limits of sound doctrine. Bishops are not there simply to validate due process and offer a nihil abstat to what they, uh, they have observed. None of the Synod's participants, lay, religious, priest, or bishop, are well served by the Synod ruling that voting is not allowed and propositions cannot be proposed. To pass on only the organizing committee's views to the Holy Father for him to do 
as he decides, is an abuse of synodality, a sidelining of the bishops, which is unjustified by scripture or tradition. It is not due process and is liable to manipulation. By an enormous margin, regularly worshiping Catholics everywhere do not endorse the present synod findings. Neither is there much enthusiasm at senior church levels. Continued meetings of this sort deepen divisions and a knowing few can exploit the muddle and goodwill. The ex-Anglicans among us, Cardinal Pell, are right to identify the deepening confusion, the attack on traditional morals, and the insertion into the dialogue of neo-Marxist jargon about exclusion, alienation, identity, marginalization, the voiceless, LGBTQ, as well as the displacement of Christian notions of forgiveness, sin, sacrifice, healing, redemption. That is a powerful sentence. Why the silence on the afterlife of reward or punishment on the four last things? Death and judgment, heaven and hell. The novissimi. The four last things. Death, judgment, heaven, hell. So far, the synodal way has neglected, indeed downgraded, the transcendent covered up the centrality of Christ with appeals to the Holy Spirit and encouraged resentment, especially among participants. Why, why do liberal Catholics always cover up the centrality of, the Christ, of Christ with appeals to the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit, on the, the hearts and the lips of heretics, or just apostates, can say whatever that apostate intones is sympathetic to. The words of Christ are really specific. You're not allowed to divorce your wife. Moses only allowed it because of the hearts, hardness of the hearts of the Israelites. You even look on a woman who is not your wife with lust, and you've already committed adultery. That's a high standard. Be perfect as your Father in heaven was perfect. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is really specific. It's hard to get into heaven. And you have to be a Christian. You have to be a darn toot and good Christian to get into heaven. That's Jesus. Those words are not the words that these lenient, lenient, globo homo bishops want to follow. They want to follow the Holy Spirit who, who doesn't speak in the same way. They want to change church teaching and say that their infiltrating agitation propaganda is the teaching of God. It's nonspecific, so it's easy to manipulate. Working documents are not part of the magisterium, Pell says in his last paragraph. They are one basis for discussion, to be judged by the whole people of God and especially by the bishops with and under the Pope. This working document needs radical changes. The bishops must realize that there's work to be done in God's name sooner rather than later. And Damian Thompson has an article on Pell's final public statement here. I like, I, 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 I'd read that too uh, if, if there was time, but this, I don't usually do a long show of it. So the, the first two paragraphs are great if you go to this article and you can read Damian Thompson's entire article, which I'm going to do after I, sometime after I finish this live stream. Here's the big point. Francis, evil, evil Francis. It is rumored 
has resumed his intent. This is a rumor, but it's a very plausible one. I read something on LifeSite, I believe, whom I trust on this. He's resumed his intent to implant Heiner Wilmer, the German Synodal Way leader, as the church's doctrinal chief, the prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, or now it's called the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. This will inform the final conceptual bridge, the link that people like me have been using to say Francis's synod on synodality is the German synodal way. And he's for 10 years now, nine years and 11 months to be precise, for nine years and 11 months, Francis has hidden this last most explicit smoking gun so that even though he's, he's revealed basically everything else as part of his dark plot and the Sankt Gallen agenda, the dark plot that is the Sankt Gallen agenda, there's this last smoking gun which is still hidden under a pillow somewhere, proverbially speaking. If, if he officially makes the German synodal way chief of doctrine, then it'll be very clear, oh, the synod on synodality is the German synodal way. By the way, the German synodal way is the Sankt Gallen Mafia's agenda. It is globalism. It is LGBTQ. It is the death knell of Christianity, of Roman Catholicism. If Heiner Wilmer becomes CDF, which was supposed to happen a couple days before Christmas, the 22nd or 23rd, He tabled it because allegedly Cardinal Mueller led a revolt. But he's reuptaken it since Benedict died, friends. Then it'll be smoking gun proof. I don't know what more you'd need than Cardinal Pell or your own eyes and ears. That Francis's way is the German Sonata way. Cardinal Casper, Cardinal Lehmann, Cardinal Daniels. Many of these men are dying or deceased. Cardinal Martini, Cardinal Silvestrini. Francis's goal is their goal, and that's what the German Synodal Way is. The Synod on Synodality equals the German Synodal Way. I think it'll be a good thing. That's what I say. I don't know what Catholic Answers or Michael Lofton et al. will say if Heiner Wilmer becomes CDF. What can they possibly say? I always play this shell game where I'm like, what will they say? I had friends that that promised me Amor Satizia will never happen. Timbo. It's never going to happen, bub. I know you've suspected Francis since this South American Jesuit rose from the slums of Buenos Aires. I know you, you suspected him all along. And sorry to disappoint, Timbo, but Francis is not going to give communion to the divorced and civilly remarried. And you know what those people said when Francis stuck the letter from the Buenos Aires bishops in late 2016 into the Acta Apostolicae Sedes? They said nothing. 
From late 2016 to late 2022, six years passed when Francis had officially vouchsafed by an act of the Acte Apostolicae Sedis that canonizing adultery, married adultery, as a non-mortal sin or an okay mortal sin is his official position. They haven't said one word over the last six years. And yet, they do still talk about Francis, these people. They still say, hey, he's good. Judicionis Custodis was him doing his best. We might not like it, but it's him doing his best. He, he doesn't hate anyone. He doesn't hate traditionalists. They've continued to talk as if, in other words, Amoris Laetitia never happened. Well, those people will finally be silent. I think, I think they'll finally be silent if Heiner Vilmer becomes CDF. Cardinal Pell is now dead. Who knows how he really died? If his final article, which is a, a shocking last will and testament, combines with the elevation of Heiner Vilmer, which wasn't supposed to happen, but Francis was probably just waiting for Benedict to die or something. I don't know what motivates this evil man. Those two facts will combine. Pell is dead. Benedict is dead. Pell warned us about the synod on synodality. It's going to explode the Roman Catholic Church. And the proof, the proof text will be the papers of the ratification of Heiner Wilmer as the doctrinal chief of the Roman Catholic Church. So wait for it. Why did I say this would be good then? Because we need it to be pushed past all reasonable dissent. And no, I don't think the Pope's planners are reasonable now, but they have a reasonable audience. I have a lot of friends who are reasonable conservative Catholics that are like, I don't know, you still have these smart guys that Pope's plain and what they're saying sounds really stupid, but they're smart guy, Michael Lofton, Trent Horn. They're smart when they talk about other stuff. And the fact that they're still Pope's planning casts enough doubt to where I don't want to say too much. That's what my friends tell me. And I'm like, trust me, man. I, I don't know. It's willful blindness. I don't think they'll be able to do this anymore. If Heiner Wilmer becomes CDF. These are the same kinds of guys that like Cardinal Pell and say he's a hero. Well, listen to what he's saying. It's a toxic nightmare. Cardinals were not saying, even Archbishop Lefebvre was not saying that Vatican II was a, a toxic nightmare during it. They were having votes where... 2,000 cardinals voted up the Vatican II measures and only four obscure dissenters said no. And Lefebvre was not one of them. Okay? So, Pell is calling the Synod on Synodality, or was calling it, repose his soul heaven, a toxic nightmare in real time. A priori, before it even happens. That is not precedented. No one was doing this with Vatican II or Vatican I. There's nothing to compare it to. You have the Synod 
two family synods and the Amazon synod and, and people were, you know, the goodly African bishops were blowing the whistle, but no one was say, no one understood that early on exactly what the schematic was. Now we know exactly what they're doing. Pell's dead or has been killed or whatever. I don't know. We don't have a, a, a definitive explanation for his death. I don't know. I'm not claiming to know. Don't cite me. Because I don't have any more information than you do. But it's strange he wrote this and then died suddenly. Dying suddenly is a funny thing these days. Except it's not funny at all. We pray for his soul. Now we know. We won't be fooled again. Those of us who don't buy the Pope's planning. But I think if certain things happen, Pope's planning will be all but impossible. Pray for Cardinal Pell, my friends. Pray for the late Pope Benedict. Pray for an end to this toxic nightmare in the church. Pray for clarity, charity, and sanctity. God bless you in this frightening new year, 2023. We will overcome. <laughs> Desvolt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.